It's Friday, and it finally happened. The Ducks finally ended their long losing streak. It's about time. <laughs> um, wait, they beat the Columbus Blue Jackets? Is that supposed to happen? I mean, hey, maybe that's a team that the Ducks should have lost to if they were to stick to the plan of, you know, the tank. I mean, we'll talk about that, and I am not alone on this episode. I'll be joined by Jay Foster from Locked on Blue Jackets to talk about the tank, and we'll talk about where both teams are going and where they probably should have been this season. All of that on this edition of Locked On Anaheim Ducks. Your Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, it's a crossover for Locked On Anaheim Ducks and Locked On Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez. I've been covering hockey for a long time, and so has this person to my right, Jay Forster, who hosts Locked On Blue Jackets. Jay, this was the battle for Bedard. I don't know what else to say at the moment, so what do you want to say at the start? Well, I figure if we call it a battle for Bedard, then technically the Blue Jackets won. So I will take that W, and I will run with it. Um, It was just a magnificent example of the Blue Jackets season in a nutshell, where they give me just a little bit of hope that they can win a game against a bad team. And then they're like, actually, do you know what? We don't want this. We're going to fall all over ourselves. We're going to play Eric Branson for like 25 minutes a night. Matthew Olivier is going to get in a fight for no reason whatsoever. And we're going to allow five unanswered goals. Like, (laughs) There goes the G rating. I, I, I used to get mad about these kind of losses. Um, but now we are like 45 games into the season, give or take. I'm just kind of dead inside. This this might as well happen is kind of how I feel about this game. <laughs> you're, you're that. I could see why Blue Jackets fans would be so upset about this game in particular. You're already drinking mm. the sauce. Okay, so I'm, the, the, I'm thing going... is, the thing is, and this is something that I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit. It's something that I tweeted about about a week ago. The Blue Jackets weren't tanking this season. The Blue right. Jackets were supposed to be good this season, and they just, for whatever reason, it all it, nothing, none of it came together. So there's been a big thing of, like, man, Columbus is winning the tank. They weren't tanking. They weren't supposed to be bad. And I think I responded to that because I saw your tweet and I went, wait a minute. What about the Ducks? The Ducks were supposed to be good this year, and they find themselves on the tank squad as well. I mean, look at the two worst teams in the National Hockey League. You wouldn't have put Columbus or the Ducks in there. We no. would have and said... I didn't, think that, I didn't think Columbus was going to be good. And I don't know if you thought that the Ducks were going to be, you know, a playoff team. I thought the Blue Jackets might be a playoff team, but I thought it was it was Same. unlikely. I didn't think they'd be this bad. I thought the Ducks would compete this year. Mm. That's what I legitimately thought, that they would compete. And they have not. My big problem with the Ducks this season... Actually, I have a couple of big problems with the Ducks this season. One is the fact that they still have, for some reason, Dallas Eakins is still the coach, which I know we all have our thoughts about. Plenty of thoughts about. 
two, they've, they've lost some guys, but they haven't lost enough manpower to be this bad. You know? I guess. And is I, Jamie Drysdale really this much of a load-bearing defenseman that, like... Yes. He yes. leaves and the entire team he, just falls apart. He really you know? was. Like, it's kind of one of those, like, you don't realize what you had until it's gone kind of situations. You don't realize what Jamie Drysdale can do for a team. And I, I miss him terribly. Jamie Drysdale can plug himself in pretty much any position because he wasn't on that first line defense. He took some of the load off of other certain guys and he was fairly effective as a defenseman this season. He was starting to get some more recognition, starting to get better minutes, starting to get quality minutes. And then he went out the torn labrum and he's out for the rest of the season. Ugh. The Blue Jackets know that well. Mm-hmm. There's three players out with torn labrums at the minute. Yep. I mean, so... I should know about those kind of injuries as well. But <laughs> looking back, the Ducks since Drysdale's injury have been that much worse defensively since then. That's what kind of bothers me is... People didn't think Drysdale was as important as he actually is. That's what kind of bugs me a little bit. Like certain players you don't realize are that important. <sighs> and we kind of saw it a little bit tonight during the first during the first period. That's what we saw from the Ducks. Okay, in fairness though, and this is something that I kind of had the, the, I made a note of as well when I was watching. Um, even in the first period when the Blue Jackets were up three nothing, they looked bad. They were, they, the passes weren't being completed. They looked lost in their own zone. Like, they got out of that first period, like, unscathed, basically through sheer willpower from Elvis, um, who I thought had a pretty good first 40 minutes, and then everything just kind of collapsed in the third period, um, which, I mean, it's Blue Jackets hockey, baby. That's, that's what they do. Um, but even in the first period, they didn't look, they didn't look good. They didn't look competent. Like, it was... They looked better than the Ducks, but I don't know whether it was suddenly... I know, obviously, swapping out Stolarz for Gibson. Uh, Gibson didn't allow a goal uh, in in the rest of the game, so that obviously helped a little bit. Um, I assume that the Ducks got yelled at pretty severely in that first intermission, and that probably helped. And then, yeah, the Blue Jackets just kind of came out and played. The Ducks upped their game in the second period, they did. The Jackets did not up their game to meet that. You know who I bet yelled in the locker room was John Gibson. Yes. <laughs> you, you've, you've seen my tweets for the last four years. Someone give John Gibson a knife, a taser. Give him some kind John of medieval Gibson, weapon. John Gibson, much like the Blue Jackets goalies, should be allowed to do just a little bit of murder as a treat. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, whether that's opposing players, whether that's his own defense, he is one of those guys that, and it's the same thing as like um, Connor Hallibuck in in Winnipeg, yep. bringing Vesna level goaltending to an otherwise kind of meh team. Oh, it's a crappy team. It's, it's yeah, yeah. John Gibson deserves some kind of weapon. <laughs> yeah, he deserves maybe a, I don't know, maybe a ball and chain. You know, maybe a mace. Give him something, some something heavy of... and pointy. Yeah, yeah. I'm going medieval here because Gibby has lashed out before. That's kind of the other thing. 
Gibby doesn't give two craps about anybody. You've seen Gibby try to fight guys in the crease, and we love him for that. We've also, unfortunately, seen that somewhat in the locker room over the past three, four seasons, where Gibby won't lash out, but, you know, he has been upset at his teammates, and as you said, rightfully so. He should be pissed off at his teammates. I mean, giving up three goals in that fashion was not good. The comeback was nice, which I do want to talk about a little bit. But, you know, we're going to head to the first intermission, and I want to talk a little bit more about the comeback itself. So, you know, we'll get to that on the other side. But first, let's talk about Built Bar, which is my favorite protein bar. It's probably your favorite protein bar. It sure if, is. If you get them, you know, when you get them from our friends. Sarah I don't get them often, but when I do, I enjoy them. <laughs> yep. So I'll, I'll name drop Sarah in the middle of the ad read, but <laughs> Built Bars are fantastic. If you're looking to have a healthy snack, then Built Bars are for you. They're delicious. Only on average, about 130 calories, only four, four grams of sugar. That's one less gram than the duck scored and 17 grams of protein. <laughs> yeah, 17 grams. And you can pick up a four bar box at your local Walmart or even Sam's Club. Sam's Club has built bars now. Did you know that? Sam's I did not Club know that. Has I also don't know what Sam's Club is. So <laughs> It's like Costco. <laughs> we don't just get into it during this ad read, but I had to do some it's, it's, it's like Costco. It's like Costco, but better. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So they have them at Sam's Club, and still you got to check out the Built Bars, the Built Puffs, still the goat flavor Churro Puff. Yeah, baby, Churro Puffs. And for someone like me that likes the line of Built stuff, I had one right before the New York City Marathon. I had a Built Boost, drank that down. And you know what? That Built Bar helped. That helped at the start of the New York Marathon crossing the Verrazano Bridge. So if you need to pick me up as you run a lot of miles... <laughs> Then head over to built.com right now and use the new promo code locked on 15. Gets you 15% off your next order of Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. So the Ducks had a comeback that they haven't had in the Dallas Eakins era. You've heard me be critical, well, more than critical. Okay, way more than critical about Dallas Eakins over the past 11 bajillion years. The Ducks came back from an 0-3 deficit for the first time in four and a half years. The last time the Ducks came back from from a three-goal deficit, gotta go back to December 2nd, 2018, against the Washington Capitals. That's how long ago it was. Dallas Eakins wasn't even the coach of the Ducks back then. Dallas Eakins was still coaching the San Diego Gulls back then. Shout out to Callum McClurg there. Yeah, in that game, the Ducks were down 5-0. Just to have a little bit of a throwback, a former Ontario Reign player scored in that game, Nick Dowd. The Ducks were down 5-1. Yeah. The Ducks were down 5-1, and just like tonight... They scored five consecutive goals. One, two, three, four, five consecutive goals to win the game. First time in the Dallas Eakins era. See, what on the flip took side, them so long? 
On the flip side, which is fun, this isn't even the first time that the Blue Jackets have allowed five unanswered goals to lose a lead this season. <laughs> when was the last time that happened? That was recent, wasn't it? It was pretty recent. They've done it at least once, so I know for sure that they did it against Pittsburgh early in the season. Uh, the Blue Jackets right. were up 3-1 and then ended up losing 6-3 after allowing five unanswered Ooh. goals. And I'm sure they've done it much more recently, but honestly, like at this point, all of the losses just kind of start to blur together. So, Try covering the San Diego goals and the Anaheim Ducks on the same season. <laughs> it's so bad right now. Okay, but but there is there is hope. Maybe not for the goals, um, but hope for the Ducks. Um, hope for the Blue Jackets, you know. They're both in the conversation for Bedard. If they don't get Bedard, then, you know, Adam Fantilli is a phenomenal consolation prize. They've got Matt Mitchkov, the Russian player, Leo Carson, the Swede, even a guy like Zach Benson. If you fall all the way to fifth and you end up with a guy like Zach Benson, like, he could be a game changer for a team like Columbus, like Anaheim. And so I wanted to I wanted to say, or I guess ask, this is a conversation that I had with Jack Bushman of Locked On uh, Blackhawks um, around uh, New Year time. Losing sucks, but knowing that you're losing for something like this, like, does that make it better? Obviously, the losing still sucks, but if you're losing for a purpose, is that is that better than just losing and being bad? I'm going to give an honest answer to this. I think I would feel better about it if they weren't all embarrassing losses. Like, if they weren't getting slaughtered 7-1, 7-2, and I ate to see all those losses just blur together like that. I know that was not clever, but allowing multiple hat-tricks. The Ducks lead the league in hat-tricks allowed. Their, their special teams are just abysmal this season. I think if it wasn't for the fact that they were embarrassing losses, then I would feel better about it. But because they've been blown out so many times this season... And oftentimes, you see guys like Dostal just get a barrage of shots against him. The Ducks right now are averaging 38.9 shots allowed per game. That's on average. More than half the games they've played, they've allowed 40-plus shots. More than half. So I think I'd feel better if the games were more competitive. But most of them haven't. And I think that's what makes this more painful is they've been embarrassing losses or they've there have been losses where there's nothing that you can get out of those games yeah for sure I think for me it was I mean I started the season so optimistic they picked up Johnny Gaudreau in free agency they signed Patrick Laine semi long term um you know it was Ken Johnson was looking like a, a Big piece of the future. Cole Sillinger had a phenomenal rookie season. The defense was looking good. They picked up David Yerichek in the draft. You know, I was like, these are all cool things. I'm so excited for all of these things. And then the season started and I was like, well, once like Thanksgiving rolled around, American Thanksgiving, um, I was like, okay, well, the season is lost, basically. Could the team at least play fun hockey? And the answer is not typically no. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the games There's are more anyway. Most of the times, it's just it's just brutal. I will say that now I don't expect the team to win. It makes it a lot less stressful to watch 
because I don't, I go into it being like, well, it'd be, it would be nice if they won, but I don't think they're going to. So either I will be right or I will be pleasantly surprised, you know? So. That's how I'm going into every single game now. Maybe 30 games ago, not so much because I expected more. Mm. Now my expectations are so low that when they win, I'm pleasantly surprised. It's, and this it's was, a rough this way a... to consume hockey. But again, I keep falling back on, you know, Bedard. Yeah, thank thank God for the other job, by the way. <laughs> thank, thank God for that. Yes, at least one of your teams is winning. Yeah, and it's none of them on the Lockdown Network. <laughs> ah! Yeah, that's that's my solace right now is I get to work for a great team. But, ooh, and this is affecting the goals, too. Yeah, I mean the that's, goals have a allowed big problem for Columbus as well because they've been so injured. They've basically had to take half of the Cleveland monsters and be like, "Well, these are ours now for the rest of the season." And so Cleveland, who had a really strong start to the season and were looking like a real threat to a lot mm-hmm. of teams, have been kind of kneecapped by the fact that the Blue Jackets took half of their top. Like, I think they had all four of their top defensemen and their yep. full top line. For a good chunk of the season, because so many of the players were injured, and so they're, they're kind of they're getting back now. But sometimes it's tough to be like, "Oh, well, at least the AHL team is succeeding," because sometimes that's not the case. There was a game I watched recently, an AHL game I watched. I think it was Lumberjacks night when they had those. By the way, those were cool jerseys. I love the Lumberjacks jerseys. I went through the roster, and I could not figure out who some of those guys were. And then I looked back on the Columbus Blue Jackets, I'm like, oh, he's injured. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. damn, they're all hurt. This is kind of like the Ducks right now, but kind of not. Because the yeah, Ducks have it's... been injured, but not that injured, you know? No, the Blue Jackets are heading straight for, um, so their, their mind games lost record, I believe, is 504 games, which they set in the 14-15 season, um, which was the season they ended up getting uh, Zakarensky for when they were just yeah. real, real bad. Um, and it was brutal and awful. And at one point, the goaltending tandem was Jonas Korpisawa and Antoine Forsberg because both Sergei Bobrovsky and Curtis McElhaney were injured. Um, everyone else was injured all of the time, always. It was horrible. The Blue Jackets are currently looking to hit, I think. I did some math. I think the 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 the... the but I can't think what the word is. They're on pace to hit. Projected is the word I'm looking for. Um, oh. They are projected to hit, I think, 525 plus um, oh at the end of the season because Wierenski's out for 70 plus games. Bean is out for 70 plus games. Uh, Voracek out 70 plus games. Danforth out 70 plus games. Um, they've had three other guys that have missed at least 20 games or are going to miss 20 games like it's and those those are important guys too those are no slouches yeah Vershek led the team in scoring last season Wierenski yeah Vorch. leads the team in ice time by a significant margin you know then number would one it be out of bounds right Vladislav Gavrikov who is probably getting flipped at the deadline so then it will just be Erica Branson and a bunch of 22 18 to 22 year olds that's the that's the blue line you know so I don't think that's the reason the Blue Jackets are bad, but it's definitely, it definitely hasn't helped that they've been so decimated by injuries this season.
if Columbus can have all their guys healthy next season, and if they get Connor Bedard, they could be dangerous next year, yes? I my, I mean, I don't want to say one way or the other, because every time I think the Blue Jackets are going to be good, they tend to contradict me. But Well, I'm not saying if, playoffs, I'm, just, I'm saying dangerous. If the Blue Jackets can get healthy and stay healthy, and they end up with that 1C in the draft, which I think if they draft top three in the draft, they're getting a 1C. It would be nice to get Bedard. It would be incredible to get Bedard. But I think Fantilli and Benson are both options. Or, excuse me, uh, Fantilli and Carlson are options for that 1C spot. Because at the minute, our 1C is Boone Jenner, who I love. I love Boone Jenner. Locked on Blue Jackets listeners know this. He is not a 1C in any yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. So if they can pick up a top-line center to play between Gaudreau and Line A, then everyone else gets to move down the lineup gets to play more on their level, you know, like this is the thing I'm not. And this is something I've been ranting about on, on locked on blue jackets is guys like Sean Corrali, guys like Mathieu Olivier, guys like Erica Branson, even guys like, um, Gavrikov, who I like a lot, who's not playing great this season because he's playing so far up in the lineup. Gavrikov is a very good second pairing defenseman, but because he's the veteran guy, he's the healthiest defenseman that they have. That isn't, 22 he's playing that once that top line defenseman role he's playing too many minutes and he's getting burned for it it's the same with Corrali and Olivia they're playing third line minutes if you limit them to you know 10 minutes of ice time a game they're much more effective if you bring in you know even if you don't bring in a guy like Bedard even if you just get you know a guy like Voracek back everyone can move down a spot in the depth chart and that helps if you bring in a guy like Bedard, everyone moves down a spot in the depth chart. Like, I'm sure that you're dealing with this at the minute in terms of the defense. With Jamie Drysdale being out, all of your other guys have had to move up at least one spot. And they're playing above above their, their station, I guess. And that's making them look worse than they are, I think. You're absolutely dead on on that. Because I've commented about Dmitry Kulikov moving up probably above his weight class, so to speak. You know, guys like Shattenkirk, who, you know, love Shatty on the team as far as, like, having that father figure role for the right. Dutch. But he's not a first-line defenseman anymore. No. He's, and that's, that's the thing. People, his I think, best days are behind him. People, this comes across as me, being, as me sounding like I'm saying that so-and-so is bad at their job. So-and-so is a bad defenseman. So-and-so is a bad center. No. Boone Jenner is a very good second line, maybe third line center. I think if you put him in the middle six, he is so effective, just runs around like a wrecking ball. At the minute he's playing in that that spot between Gaudreau and line A, and he's struggling, and I think it's showing, and that's not because he's bad. That's because he's going up against the McDavid's, the Crosby's, the Matthews, the other top-line centers of the world, you know? Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head right now, but, you know, you get you get what I'm saying, you know? It's not that they're bad. They're just, like you said, they're playing above their weight class. It's impacting their stats. They're struggling, and it's making them look worse than they are. And it's so intensely frustrating to watch. What is frustrating to watch also in that same regard is you have certain guys that you expected to be in that top-line defense that's going to get traded and all of a sudden he's had such a horrific start to the season and you see him playing in the second line once third line defense i'm talking about john klingberg who will get dealt at the deadline at some point you know all of a sudden klingberg who was the big signing remember in the off season i think you and i talked and said like oh klingberg could 
could be a game changer. Could mm-hmm. possibly. That could be a signing. And he's been largely disappointing this season. So for Klingberg, Klingberg to get... on himself is the problem. And sometimes when you bet on yourself, you lose. Um, they actually talked about this on the, the CBJ broadcast, was apparently he turned down a seven-year contract yep. to, to sign for this one-year contract to basically bet on himself. And unfortunately, it looks like the Ducks might be able to get a second-round pick for him. But I think he's probably going to be pretty low down on the, the list of available free agent or pending free agent um, defenseman. Con- the considering, who, considering who else is out there right now. Hmm. I mean, I've jokingly said, oh, he might get a first. No, realistically, at this point, the way he has played this season, I would think at this point it'd be a second round pick. Which a second and round pick is not, not nothing. But it's... But it's not what they were anticipating at right. the start of the season. In November, we were all saying, okay, get ready to trade him. He'll get a first. And then he started getting worse and worse and worse throughout the season. And all of a sudden, he loses that top pairing to Dmitry Kulikov, of all guys. It, it's been weird. It doesn't help that Dallas Eakins really just throws crap on the wall and sees what sticks. That hasn't helped at all one bit. I think next year gives me hope knowing that Eakins will likely be gone next season because his contract will be completely up. He'll be gone. He'll be completely gone, I hope. Hey, might, might be the return of Bruce Boudreaux in uh, in Anaheim. You know, at this point, I might <laughs> welcome that. I might. <laughs> you, could, you could do worse than Bruce Boudreaux, I think, at this point. Um, that is very true. But we... Uh, We'll have to do this again when uh, when the Blue Jackets are in Anaheim, which is in a couple of months, which is in March. I know we were talking about this off off mic. Um, maybe we'll do a, a live uh, squadcast. Who's to That'd say? be fun. Who's to say? Well, maybe thanks one team, for just... maybe one team will have dug dug themselves out of the basement a little bit by then, and we won't be sitting here talking for twenty five minutes about how unfun our teams are to watch. <laughs> You're giving me too much hope, man. <laughs> Way too much hope. All right. Where can the fine folks find your work, your podcast? Where can they find you online, all that jazz? Uh, so I can't in good conscience recommend paying attention to the Blue Jackets this season. But if you would like to do so, uh, Locked on Blue Jackets is wherever you find Locked on Anaheim Ducks. We are on all the podcasting apps of choice. We are on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Jackets. And... Uh, if you would like to follow me, mix in some dog pictures, some Star Wars opinions, some ranting angrily about the state of diversity in hockey, uh, you can find me at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. And uh, I think that is it. JD's about to show me some kind of Star Wars thing, I think. How did you know it was Star Wars? <laughs> well, it was either going to be Star Wars or dog, and I don't know that you have a... There you go. <laughs> This is one of my favorite jackets, so I'm a big Disney person, and I had to get the Star Wars half marathon jacket because it is super rad, and I love it. (laughs) And it is also quite cold out here right now. It's raining as we speak. It's snowing probably just up the road. As Jay said, you could find this podcast if you feel like hearing me rant about a terrible Ducks team and an even worse goals team. You could find the show's Twitter at LO underscore Ducks. And if you want to hear about my exploits as the public address announcer, 
For the Coachella Valley Firebirds, you can follow my personal Twitter at StimpyJD. You can see the banner right there. That's a fun banner. It's very good. Um, I'm a fan. Yep. Pride, Pride Night was awesome, by the way. The jerseys looked really cool. Yes. But yeah, you can follow jerseys my personal good. Twitter and send me dog pictures because I always love them. Or send your hot game show takes. Yes. Such as... <laughs> such as... I'll give a hot take for a game show take. British one. I think only Connect is better than Countdown. Oh, controversial. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree, but it is controversial. That is. We'll have to do this again sometime. Yes. Once again, special thanks to Jay Foster for joining the program. We covered a lot on this one. And yeah, just big thanks. All right, that's going to do it for today's podcast. That's going to do it for this week. So it's been a lot of fun. Had some guests on this week. It's been a weird week of hockey for the Ducks. And I appreciate all of you sticking around through the week. Don't forget, this podcast is free and available across all platforms, including Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, YouTube, among many others. You could follow me on YouTube at StimpyJD. The show's Twitter is at LO underscore Ducks. You could email me at LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. Once again, thank you all for your continuous support. It is so greatly appreciated. For Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great weekend, folks. Please remember to be careful out there, be kind to one another, and ducks fly together. Ducks fly together.